Liz and I at the moment are in the process of helping my son purchase a house. And um, luckily, uh, you know, he has had many years living in our home, so he saved up a good deposit. So it hasn't cost us too much money, all right? Well, it probably has over the years, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> but um, anyway, we're in the process of buying a house now. Not so long ago, he actually um, found a house and he took us to look at it. And on the surface, everything looked absolutely fantastic. You know, it was a nice house, one that you could see and he could see himself living in for quite some time. And the result was that, of course, it was an older house, so what we did was we decided we'd get a survey done. And having had that survey carried out, uh, when it came back, you know, it was a full survey, it cost him, bless him, 500 pound, only to reveal to him that, that there were several defects in the house which would cost him a fair bit of money to sort out. So on the one hand, it probably saved him thousands, but he had to pay 500 to find that out. But the reality is that, you know, if you think about it, when we purchase something, we purchase a house, it's one of the biggest purchases, if not the biggest purchase that we'll ever make in with our own money. And when we're doing something which is of genuine, that level of importance, then we should make sure is there a buzz on this? There is, isn't there? No, it's all right, is it? Okay. Um, I can hear a buzz. Um, anyway, no, that's whatever that is, you've done it, that's good. Right, so um, the reality is that when we're going to do anything of absolute importance, it is, it is important for us to make sure that when we begin a task, that we're in a position to see it right through. And so this morning, don't know what's happening here. Do you remember that comedian who used to go on and he'd go, hello? Yeah. I can't do it the way he did it. He was much better at it than me. But anyway, um, you know, we, we need to make sure that we can go forward and finish that which we have begun. And Jesus seems to take an awful lot of time when he's teaching, telling people that they need to be careful. They need to be careful with what they do, all right? And so, um, on the surface, things look always the same. You can have two houses right next to each other, one built on a firm foundation, one built on a, on a non-firm foundation, but above the ground, they look absolutely the same. Absolutely the same. It is only when those things are tested will you find out what the state of play is. So, Simon, can I have the towers up on the screen? Here are the six tallest buildings that I could find, ranging from 1,100 feet to 2,723 feet, which is the Shanghai Tower, all right? Uh, 2,073 feet. I would not want a flat on the top floor. 
But you see them, they range all the way down, 2073, 1776, 1667, 1451, down to the 1100. And the reality is that above ground, they all look fantastic structures. But I will tell you this, that I watched a program where I think they were in the Shanghai Tower, um, and in, I've seen the, the thing about the, in Dubai, the, the, the tower that's in Dubai, and when the wind blows, the higher you go, you can actually feel a little bit of movement in the building at the top. Now that must be very, very disconcerting, you know? But you can feel slight movement. It's nothing amazing, but if you stand still long enough, you can just feel a slight movement. So can you put up the other photo for me? So below those buildings, each one of them has a foundation. The amazing thing for me is that the tallest building in the world only has 164 feet of below ground foundation, and yet the one that's over here, and I can't remember, I think it was 1700 and something, was got 262 feet below the ground. The foundations of our lives are seriously important and therefore we need to be careful on what we're building. In Matthew 7, Jesus basically introduces us to buyer beware. Buyer beware. Buyer beware comes where we find that basically it says about a tree and its foods, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but every diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. In the day and age in which we live, it amazes me how we have become a people that so often will respond more to stories than we do the Word of God. In fact, I was talking to Keith Warrington, who used to be a lecturer at Elam Bible College, and he runs something called Word and Spirit, and he goes all over the world and is invited to teach. And he says the thing that frightens him the most is the fact that he finds in churches that people sitting in churches are somewhat biblically illiterate. Now that should worry us. It's not that we don't know the stories. We know the stories, maybe. But what we've done over the years, in order to move away from a God of hell, fire, and brimstone, we have gone to the opposite end of the spectrum, and now there's almost nothing that can keep you away from heaven. There is absolutely nothing that can keep you away from heaven. And what we have is we need to learn some lessons about how we handle the Word of God in order that we build our lives on a firm foundation. And that is what we, we not just need to do, it is imperative that we do. I don't know if you watch the news like I do, um, or you watch Sky News or other things, but 
We see things on the news today that we see quite clearly as things that we would expect to be happening in the end times. And in the end times, it says in Matthew's gospel, a bit later on, it says this in Matthew's gospel, it says that even the elect, you know, if they could have been deceived, would have been deceived. And so we're living in an age where there's loads of teaching out there. You can go on YouTube, you can go on Spotify, you can go on iTunes, you can go in numerous places and you can sit and you can listen to teaching as much as you want. You can listen to better preachers than me, better preachers than anybody that we have in our church. You can listen to them. But I want to ask you something. Are you ensuring that what you are listening to stacks up? And it isn't just based on stories and experience, but it is undergirded with the Word of God. Because you see, the big difference between the person who builds on a weak foundation and the person who builds on a solid foundation is this book. It's this book that will give us a solid foundation in life. You find from time to time and in our own lives, ourselves, go away, fly. He likes my aftershave. Um, We find that at times we wonder why things take a little bit of a turn down what seems a crooked road. And yet when we really examine ourselves and we, and we get to that place where we sit down with God and we, we reason together about it, we find that somehow we have taken hold of something which has within it elements of truth but doesn't have the whole truth. And we wonder sometimes why we struggle. We need to learn to discern We need to learn to discern between what is good teaching and what is bad teaching. We need to learn to discern between prophets who come and um, give fantastic prophecies, but their lives don't match up to what, what they proclaim themselves to be. In this passage that I've just read that bit from for you, the reality is that there are two types of people. There are those who are good, and or there are prophets that come and teach and, and, and tell you what God is supposed to be saying, who bear fruit, good fruit in their lives, and there are those that don't. And it is by people's fruit you will know them. It's not that we are to move into becoming these heavily judgmental people, but we are meant to live aware of what's happening around us. You know, in the message, when it it recites this whole passage, it says basically, don't... um, In fact, I'll read it to you, because I love the message rendering of... Um, this if I can find it I can never find things on this I want to be up to date and modern but I always lose my way be wary of false preachers who smile a lot I'm not smiling alright 
Dripping with practice sincerity, chances are they're out to rip you off some way or other. Don't be impressed with charisma. We live in an age of charisma where what you need and what you look at is the charisma of the person at the front of the church. Don't be impressed with charisma. Examine, basically. It says, look for character. Are they time-tested? Have they had that, um, if you like, fiery experience which proves that their foundations are solid and they're standing firm? Who preachers are is the main thing, not what they say. I don't quite go with that, all right? I'll go close, but not quite the whole way with that. But who preachers are is the main thing. A genuine leader will never exploit your emotions or your pocketbook. They are diseased trees with their bad apples and are going to be chopped down and burnt. We need, number one, to be careful who we listen to. We need to start being people who are not frightened to ask questions when someone preaches. Never be afraid to ask me or Jason when he preaches or Claude or David or whoever else preaches in this church. Never be afraid to ask questions. If you ever meet any, any speaker in this place who cuts you dead because you're asking them a question, you tell me and I will cut them from the preaching rotor. Because we need to be open to being asked questions. Steve is my checker. Steve comes regularly and asks me things after church. He, he, he's just hungry uh, for, for the word. But he asks me questions about what I say. He said, you said this. How does that fit in with this? And that's the type of inquiring, inquisitive people we should be. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, so it was buyer beware, where you get your stuff from. Always read the terms and conditions before you sign the contract. Always. How many of us here have ever gone and downloaded an app onto our phone? Anybody? Yeah. How many of you have ticked accept the terms and conditions box at the bottom? How many of you have actually read the terms and conditions? Oh, Natasha Studley. Well, <laughs> Natasha, I'm impressed with you. I think she deserves a round of applause. <laughs> I, I never read the terms and conditions. I always make the assumption when I'm downloading an app that it will be all right because I can always delete it later. But we, we need to read the terms and conditions. I was watching the other day Rip Off Britain. And a, a guy who had, um, his wife had been diagnosed with cancer and um, they had decided to sell their house and move to Spain somewhere. And whilst the house was valued around £100,000, they saw this advert, this little card came through the door, do you want to sell your home quickly? And so they rang the number because of the diagnosis that she had had and the person was round within sort of 24 hours and had a chat with them. Of course, didn't offer them the full price, offered them £75,000 for their house and got them to sign a little contract. 
In that contract, because they didn't read it and didn't read the terms and conditions, number one, it said that it removed their right to withdraw from the con- contract within 14 days. You know, the cooling off period, because it's something that is done in the home, which is illegal anyway, but they had actually signed to say they were prepared to let those go. And what happened was that his wife had been given a particular length of time and then the hospital in the meantime from signing this contract within 10 days rang them again and actually said to them that things were not as good as what they first thought. And so the husband rang up the, you know, rang these, uh, we'll buy your house for cash and all the rest of it. And he told them that he would not be proceeding any further. Well, they harassed him, kept writing to him, telling him that they wanted him to complete on the deal and all the rest of it. The result was he eventually wrote them a letter, said he wasn't selling, and off they went. The wife passed away. And then, with his daughter, about six months, a year after she had passed away, he decided he wanted to sell the house and have a fresh start. And they, went, they put it on the market, with, not with these people, but with an estate agent. They had a buyer immediately, offered them 100000 for the house. The solicitors were engaged. And then it all came to a stop. Because you see, in that document that they had signed, sell your house for cash, they had also put a clause in that if they did withdraw, that this company would have first refusal on the purchase of the property. If it ever went back on the market for the same price that they had offered originally. Now, I'm not sure where that's going, but they had, you know, rip off Britain, those Gloria and all the rest of them. They got a solicitor in and they think he's got a case to get that thrown out. But the reality is we need to read the small print. And there is some small print in this scripture. Knowing the correct password... Saying, Master, Master, for instance, this is from the message, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience. Doing what my Father wills. I can see it now on that final judgment, thousands strutting up to me, saying, Master, we preached the message, we bashed the demons, our super spiritual projects had everybody talking. And do you know what I'm going to say to them? This is Jesus. You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. You're out of here. The terms and conditions to build a solid foundation are these. That we are seriously obedient and do what the Father wills. Anything else means that we're building on sand. Because in the story at the end, there's the wise builder builds on the rock. There is the foolish builder who builds on the sand. And I genuinely believe sometimes when our life gets a bit wavy, when the wind's blowing and the storms, 
are coming. I hope you're prepared for next week with the rain because we've gone from drought to flood next week in this area. Just, I was told that this morning. We are moving from drought to flood. So I hope the foundations of your property are firm. All right. But if we want to build a solid life, that will stand against the storms of life. And let's be honest, we're seeing an awful lot of them start to come right now. Inflation is going up. Paying your mortgage is going up. Food is going up. Heat and light is going up. Everything is going up. Everything is going up. Petrol has started to come down, but I've got to tell you, it's not as cheap here as it is in Plymouth but I don't get anything if I drive to Plymouth to fill up and drive back because I use more petrol than I would need to. But the reality is we can see the tensions that are happening. Where was it the other day on Sky News? What country was it in where we saw about the ink on the hand? You did. You said to me, oh, that sounds a bit like the end times. In South Korea, Liz was watching Sky News the other day, and in South Korea, they have now developed, you know, there's been all these scaremongering tactics about um, these things, about having implants put in the back of your hand, and we're all worried about having implants put into us, and then through the COVID thing, not getting into an argument about the vaccine, but there were lots of stuff going around about there was... There was chips in the vaccine that were being injected into your body without you knowing it and all these things. But this uh, report on Sky News, it basically said this, that they don't any longer have to do anything invasive. They have developed an ink in South Africa where they, uh, sorry, South Korea, where they can mark you. Right Now, whether it's true or not, but I find it interesting that these things are coming to the fore in the news. Just simple things. And if that happens, there's no chip inside your skin. But this, once it's on, they were saying that it won't come off and that they can store information on it. Now, time will tell whether that's true or it isn't. I find it interesting that it's in the same country that the largest church in the world is. Just that there's a connection there. But the reality is, if we're going to survive and walk and walk well with Jesus, we're going to have to take the terms and conditions well. So, serious obedience. What does that mean? Not negotiating with God about what he says. Because I don't know about you, but I can be guilty sometimes of wanting to negotiate a better deal. I know you say this, Lord, but couldn't I just get away with this? Can you just let me do this, this last once, and then I'll be all right? All right? Then we'll walk together forever. Serious obedience. Listening to God. Doing what God says not what we want to do. Doing the will of the Father. Being obedient when he, speaks to, when he speaks to us. So, what we've got is, read the small print, and buyer beware. And finally, be careful how you build.
I have said all along about foundations. Well, the foundations are about the Word of God. Because in chapter 7, it says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Verse 24 of chapter 7. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. How are we doing? Do we do what God's word tells us? Are we living according to God's word? The word, your heart is important with regard to the word of God. You'll remember the parable of the sower is about the heart. There are those who have God's word sown on the path. And it says that the path, the seed that fell on the path, is people who have no understanding. And the evil one comes and snatches it away. Again, I want to say to you, when someone's speaking here, if you don't understand, ask. It's not an embarrassment. Do you know the disciples, after Jesus taught the people, had to ask him what he meant if nothing else when you listen to people speak it should generate questions sown on the rocky ground are those who understand what is said receive it with great joy and yet there is no root There's no root. The seed begins to grow, but there's no root. And when tribulation and persecution arise because of the word, hear that, because of the word. Tribulation and persecution because of the word. What God says, right? Immediately it falls away. The seed that's sown among the thorns gets choked. And how many of us from time to time have wrestled with that? Where the word of God requires something of us and yet we're caught up with the cares and worries of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. And it chokes the word out of us because we have to give up so much. Do you remember the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and Jesus said, do this and do that. And he said, I've done all that since I was young. And then Jesus says, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And it says that that young man went away sad. Jesus touched the area of his life, which was the extremity of his willingness to surrender. There will be challenges. Don't let them choke God's word out of you. Don't let it be willing to go through. But then there is the seed which is sown on the good soil. 
The good soil is that which brings life, brings fruit, brings things. So in the parable of the sower, the good seed is the good heart that takes the word of God in and lets it bear, what is it, 30, 60, and a hundredfold fruit. So here's your takeaways. I want you to know I missed out one piece at the very beginning. It starts in this, it talks about the golden rule, and then it says this, it says, narrow is the way that leads to life, wide and broad is the way that leads to destruction. When I'm driving my car, I like the motorway because it means I can put my toe down. When I pull off at Junction 23 and have to come along that road between the M5 and Wells, I really get quite frustrated. A, because there's either a tractor on it. B, because people seem to drive really slow in Somerset, but I know why, because there are so many speed cameras. And then there are speed cameras as well. Well, they they really annoy me. This morning, I went back um, on Thursday last week to Plymouth, and by the time I came this week, they changed the speed limit from 40 to 30 in one part of that road, right before a speed camera. Ah, this morning, I, I was quite chilled about it, but I said, I don't believe it, they've changed the speed, you know? But wide is the way, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. What does that mean for us? If we want to find life, we're going to have to learn to live a boundaried life. A boundaried life. We might not like what Jesus says, but if we want to have a fruitful life we're going to have to learn to live within the boundaries because straying onto the wider road will get you a ticket and it's to the wrong place so the way to follow Jesus is boundaries test what you hear by examining the lives of those who teach or prophesy into your situation always read the small print Every promise of God has a condition. We don't like that. We like the promise bit. We don't like the conditions. Always read the terms and conditions, the small print. Be seriously obedient. That is your key. Build on the rock God's word and God's word alone, not stories. I love hearing stories of faith and how people have overcome the most amazing things But don't build your life on the story. Build your life on the scripture that informs the story. Do it that way. And then I ask you, how is your hearing? Do you need a hearing test? My wife tells me regularly I need a hearing test. She says I have selective deafness. I don't think I do. Sometimes she speaks so quietly I just can't hear her. You know... But then she says, I have heard her, because then I will say five minutes later what she said to me five minutes before. But she could use that to her advantage, couldn't she? Buy me another Radley handbag. Love, I think you should have another Radley handbag. (laughs) Examine yourself to see if you're still in the faith. That's what Scripture says. That's what Scripture says. 
spotting the difference between the solid life built on a rock and the shallow life built on sand is one thing. How does that person stand when their faith and their life is tested? Let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you that you have left us with everything that we need to give us life, to give us fruitfulness, to give us security, to remove our anxiety. Lord, to bless us. And Lord, we want to thank you this morning both for the living word, Jesus, and the written word, your word, that you have left for us. Father God, will you help us to examine ourselves, give ourselves a hearing test, so that, Lord, that we aren't just hearers of the word and then not doers, but we are hearers and doers, because that is true hearing. Hearing only really happens, Lord, when we do what you say. So, Father, we just ask that you will help us to become people who are hungry for your word, hungry to be obedient to what you tell us. And Lord, that we will surrender our lives to you continually day by day and follow you no matter what the cost. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.